Have you ever tried to read the entire Bible and gotten stuck halfway through or been too intimidated to even start? We have the perfect book for you. It's from the St. Philip Institute and it's called From the Beginning, God's Search for Man. In 47 days, we guide you through the big picture of scripture from Genesis to the resurrection. Each day, there is a short reading from the Bible accompanied by an essay to help you see the connections between the Old and New Testament. You can pre-order today for $5 at stphilipinstitute.org. Thanks. As Catholics, we believe that the Eucharist is the physical presence of our Lord. But sometimes there can be a disconnect between believing that and living as if it were true. So in today's episode, we explore that. We explore the reality of this truth and then how we can open ourselves up more to the grace that God wants to pour into our lives. We hope that you enjoy. Welcome to Life Beyond the Chariot, a faith and family series from the St. Philip Institute. We believe we are called to not only know, but also to live the truth of the gospel within our homes, in our workplaces, and beyond. We believe we are invited to encounter Christ in the messiness of day-to-day life and to live as his disciples. Welcome back. We are so excited to be continuing our Eucharist series. Um, If you missed our last episode, um, one of the things that we shared was that uh, between the Life Beyond the Chariot episodes and the St. Philip Institute podcast, we're trying to cover... Um, the catechesis on the Eucharist, like looking Mm -hmm. at what the catechism says. And uh, Dr. Luke Arredondo, our director of faith formation, is really diving into that catechesis. He's doing an amazing job. Yeah. And we'll have those links in the show notes so you can listen to to his episodes. But as always, what Mickey and I are trying to do is to help bring that teaching of the church, that beautiful teaching of the church, and bring it into our family lives. Yeah, because it's one thing to to know it and to have a, an intellectual grasp of these things, but then what do I do with it when I'm like at home right. or encountering difficulties in life? And so um, I love just being able to hash these out with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's a lot of fun. And so in our first uh, part of the series, we had talked about how the Eucharist is really like the source and summit of Christian life. It's the source and summit of family life and why that is. Um, Really thinking about like, okay, well, how do we make the Eucharist um, more important in our family lives? How do we um, make the most of that time um, at Mass as a family and just kind of laying a foundation for that. But what we really want to do is continue to break that open more. And specifically um, in paragraphs 1328 to 1344 in the Catechism, it's what uh, Luke is covering in his um, episode from last week. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're going to break that open today uh, Yeah, from our perspective. Yeah, and one of the things that he um, had talked about, and this is why I love us working together, because he mentioned something in the last episode about what God uses Mm. for the Eucharist, right? Like bread and wine. And that really, I think, hit both of us. And so we're going to unpack the signs of bread and wine, like the significance of that and how that can relate to our role as uh, parents or caregivers or people who have anyone that we're trying to nurture and care for 
um, and any disciple, like how God chooses to use us. So um, it was really powerful. So if you haven't listened to that episode, I do encourage um, you guys to, to do that. But one of the things that he talks about um, in that podcast is, is, again, the signs of bread and wine. And as Catholics, we believe that when we say the Eucharist, that at Mass, when the priest prays the words of consecration, um, that God works mm. in that moment. Mm-hmm. And bread and wine become the actual body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ that is present to us. Um, that now become part of us when we receive communion and the miracle of that moment that God loves us so much that he wants to share in a very physical way his divinity with us. Um, but he uses very normal things, mm-hmm. bread and wine. Yeah. Yeah. And even in the Mass, it says that, um, I think, I don't know the priest prayer, but um, something along like, take this bread and wine made of human hands. And what God does that is he changes it. Um, It becomes the body and blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ. And that just started to make me think about um, the power of God, Mm. how he can take very normal, ordinary things and transform them into the divine. And for some reason, as a mother, um, that just really stood out to me that we are called— to offer our lives, the actions in our days, the thoughts of our day, um, the words of our day, offer them to God. And and God can take the very mundane or everyday sort of ingredients of our life and he can glorify the works Mm. of our hands. And for something, I I had to sit with that for a minute because I just thought it was beautiful. And it, it was good for me to have that reminder that my motherhood matters, mm. <laughs> that God works mm. in that. Amen. Amen. And like the just the question of, do I allow the Eucharist to transform my motherhood? Do I allow the Eucharist to transform my marriage? Do I mm-hmm. allow the Eucharist to transform every aspect of my life? Because that's what it is meant to do, that we're supposed to be changed, like you're saying, by what what by who we are receiving um but there has to be like an an openness to that and and a receptivity to to those graces um but it's i think it it can be very easy to get into just the like okay we, we go to mass on sunday or even if you go to mass on a daily basis to forget like how much god wants to change in that moment um i'm remembering like the first time that i uh I, when I was growing up, I, I went to a church where sometimes we used bells and sometimes we didn't. And then just over the years, um, I've been blessed to be in parishes where we have bells and more incense and, <laughs> and just all the things, which is great. Um, but I remember asking my dad um, when I was younger, like, why, why the bells? Like, why, why do we, why do we need that? And I remember my dad saying, like, because something is, someone is there who wasn't there before. Like something has changed, and like knowing that, um, that that divine presence, that that the Eucharist, <laughs> that that is that is a really big deal. And that's a really simplistic way to to describe the Eucharist. That it's a big deal, but like it's everything. It's everything, and to to think about like, okay, we're we're hearing that. Like we we have the bells. We have 
um, the smokes of incense. Um, but do I, am I open to like what God is doing interior, interiorly um, <laughs> with, within me um, through the Eucharist as well? Like, am I being changed? Is there something changing that maybe wasn't there before or wasn't as open before? Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, I think this is what we're called to do, right? Um, God does not just offer himself just because. Like, mm-hmm. God always has a purpose, and it is for our nourishment, our spiritual nourishment. And it's good to be reflective on, am I receptive to that? Am I properly disposed to the grace that God is giving me so that true change that, that God wants to do can happen in my life? And that does require something... <sighs> Um, like an intentional thought um, or a change in perspective, maybe to put it that way, change into perspective. Is that always on my mind? Mm. Like, am I, um, am I using the grace that God has given me in the way that he's asking me to? And that takes really um, an intentional effort of almost a constant, like just being in his presence and um, reflecting on that. And, I know I can get bogged down. I allow myself to get bogged down by the jobs Mm. that have to get done in the day. That I lose sight that just like God takes the bread and wine and it's transformed into the divine Christ himself, Mm. that on a much lesser scale, right? But God still wants to take the works of my life, whether I am a mom and a wife, right? But even if we're not wives and moms and dads and fathers, God still has work that he wants us to do. And is that on my mind, that Mm. God wants to glorify the works of my hands that Mm. he has called me to? And I just found myself just really sitting sitting with that Mm. um and i i came across this article it does talk about like motherhood pregnancy in the eucharist but the way that um she kind of frames it is like you know that christ is concealed like what looks like bread and wine it's really christ present and that when a woman is pregnant at the very beginning of this human person's life it doesn't look doesn't look like a human right um but nonetheless the person is present and I just found the connection she made there powerful. And, um, and this doesn't mean that if you're not a parent, you can't still, still have this experience. Like we have people who we want to nurture and we're called to guard and protect and really um, bring to fullness of life. Like God puts us in the lives of other people to do that. Um, and so... What is God doing in this moment and glorifying the work that he um, he's asking us to do? Mm. And if we just offer it to him, he's going to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and I love that that connection like with motherhood and even thinking about like knowing that each of our children, all of them are different. Um, they all have their their own journeys with the Lord, and there can be. I mean, we ha- we have younger children, but there can be an ache in motherhood, mm-hmm. um, and like this this challenge to surrender our motherhood to the Lord's hands, and like being open to that that transformative power 
of the Eucharist, of what, what Christ is doing that we may not see right now. We may mm-hmm. not see the fruit of all of all of the diaper changes, all of the the faith formation lessons, all of that, the homeschooling, whatever. Um, but to know that that God is at at work in that and that the Eucharist is a key piece. And the other thing that I keep thinking through all of these discussions is like it's hard for me to imagine life without the Eucharist. Like can like I just like it I'm a, I'm a cradle Catholic and I and I mean I can't say that the Eucharist has been like the source and summit of everything that I have done my entire life, but um there was one particular uh, instance, I think it was the first time that I realized uh, not to take what we receive in the Eucharist for granted. I did a study abroad in Costa Rica in 2007, um, super excited, and I just kind of assumed that my host family would be Catholic, because mm-hmm. it's like a majority, I assumed like majority Catholic um, community, and they had told me like, oh yeah, we're gonna go to church, uh, I was like, great, awesome, I'll, I'll get to go to Mass this Sunday. And I went to church with them, but what I didn't realize was that it was a, a it was a Protestant church. And I remember them passing around the, um, like the little cups of bread and grape juice, and just feeling this ache. It was the first time in my life that I ever felt an ache for the Eucharist, because mm. I was like, this is not the same. It's not the same. They had amazing music. They had great community. They wanted people to feel very welcome there. But it was the first time where I was like, I I miss you, Lord. Like, I, I don't I, I don't know what to do. And I and I remember crying a little bit yeah. um, because I was like, I, I I really thought that I would receive you. But I I had really taken it for granted. I hadn't really I hadn't really thought through the fact that um that I may not be able to receive the Eucharist during my month um in Costa Rica. And thankfully I was able to find a church that I just had to walk to um down the road and it all worked out and it was great. Um but for me, that was a transformative moment of recognizing I need the Eucharist in my life to function, like to even just be a good human. I need to I need to receive Jesus as as often as I can, and not that not that I'm going to daily mass every single day. <laughs> I'm doing the the best I can in, in this season, but I think that's an important memory for me because it it. Again, just highlighting the fact that um, what if we couldn't receive our Lord yeah. whenever we wanted? Yeah. Like just pop into the Chapel of St. Peter and Paul at noon on a, on a day-to-day basis. Um, what if that wasn't possible? Or what if, what if it were illegal to receive the Eucharist? Like would we, would we still long for him um, in the Eucharist or, or long for that transformative power in the same way? Yeah, and I think I think a lot of people may have gotten hit with that during mm. the during COVID, you know, yeah. like not knowing. Yes. Um and being scared yep. and I I think that that maybe lifted the veil on yeah. people's devotion to the Eucharist. Um not in, like to pass judgment or mm-hmm. anything, mm-hmm. but um when churches churches were allowed to like open up. Did people get in such a habit of not going? Yeah. Um, and there's no, there is no replacement for the Eucharist, like, right. like you said. And I right. think one of the things that I remember is um, 
and like, you know, on Facebook or social groups or whatever, the ache of, of not being able to receive um, the Eucharist, at least for a limited time, um, the ache was very real. Mm-hmm. And it was, I mean, it was devastating to see, but it was also really beautiful because like it, you realize like I, I need, I need it. Um, and God, um, it's a gift. So we should never be like, you have to give it to me because it's still God's <laughs> gift. Right, you know what I mean? Right. So recognizing right. in itself the gift that it is, but also the necessity of our souls mm. um, to be united with that. I and mean, this is why it's called communion, right? And it, and it opens up for us like our souls are made for union with our creator. Mm. And at mass, heaven comes down to earth. I mean, earth and heaven meet and God reveals his his splendor and his desire to be united with us and i that blows my mind when i just allow myself the time to sit and think about that it does it blows my mind um and then it also reminds me that what am i doing with that grace yeah. you know <laughs> exactly. then it's almost like oh exactly. man i need to do more exactly. with this yeah so thinking about the eucharist as sustenance like that we mm. we absolutely need the eucharist to be able like we were saying to function <laughs> to live out our vocations well uh, i think particularly in marriage we touched on that last time um and i think we'll break that <laughs> open more in the future but really thinking about like well where am i getting my sustenance where am i getting um what i need um, to face the week ahead, the day ahead, is the Eucharist, again, that source and summit of my life as a Catholic Christian. Um, and I think that's a question that we will continue to ask throughout this series, but even throughout the year of Mary and the Eucharist. Like, is am I running to Jesus first? Because we live in an age, <clears throat> we all know this, that there's all kinds of distractions. There's podcasts, there's yeah. <laughs> there's social media, there's there's all kinds of noise, all kinds of things that, that we're told, like you need this to be able to be a good mom. Mm-hmm. Like you need this type of training or you need to be doing these things. When really like the primary thing, the primary person that we need is Jesus. And again, that's a very simple, like, oh, all I need is Jesus. Yeah. But really, like, <laughs> that's that's the primary thing um, that we need. And, and God has he just has so much to give us in that encounter. Yeah. One of the things that I have um, sat with, uh, John six is mm. one of my favorite readings in scripture because that's, you know, the bread of life discourse. And when anyone asks, like, why I am Catholic, I'm like, lots of reasons. Main Eucharist. Yes. I mean, you cannot get <laughs> yep. more like holy than Jesus himself, mm. right? You can't be in more communion with him unless you're in heaven, like on earth, than receiving him in the Eucharist. And so the the bread of life discourse is always something like if I just need to bring myself back <laughs> to what God wants to give me, John 6 is what I read because over and over again, he's like, um, eat my flesh and drink my blood so that you will have life within you. And then things get complicated or um, difficult for some of the disciples. And they say, this is too hard. And um, in John 6, uh, chapter or verse 66, it actually says that some left him. And then Jesus turned to the 12 and he says, do you also want to leave? Mm. And <clears throat> I think about that and I... 
I'm pretty confident I'm never going to leave the church because I believe in her teachings. Right? Um, but there are still times when I leave, um, I guess, in my heart or my mind, like what the true gift is here. Yeah. Or like when life gets too difficult, there's so many times when I try with my own power and my own work to fix it or to deal with it. And sometimes I'm like, is, is is Jesus saying this to me too? Like, hey, I know life is difficult. Are you going to walk away from me? Or are you going to stay? And not just stay, but are you going to dive in mm-hmm. to the grace that I want to pour into your life? So Yeah, and then the response is, to whom shall we go, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They say, to whom shall we go? And that reminds me of, like, I think in the last five years, where especially since 2018, when a lot of the scandals broke in in the church, but I mean there has always been brokenness um, and like evil um, that has surrounded the church. And um, I think over the last few years, like it has been difficult to see some of the the darkness that has existed within the church, or some of the the bad people um, that have done some horrific things within the church. Um, but I think that's, that is the question is like, to whom shall we go? Like, where else would we go? Mm-hmm. Where else would we go? Like I, there, church leadership has made poor decisions in some cases, but where else would we go to, to receive our Lord? Like we, we can't find him any, anywhere else in right. this way. So, yeah. Yeah. No. And that has just been, um, something that I've had to think about and, um, I know we talk a lot about um, the perspective of like moms because that's who we are. That's who we are. Um, But there's also, um, there is a lot of, I'll speak for my own life, even before I was a mother or before I was a wife and just a disciple, like a lot of things that I don't really know what God is calling me to. And the place that I found clarity (laughs) was in adoration. And it almost got to a point where I was like, I can't figure this out on my own. I guess I'll go into adoration and try to figure this out. And it was like, why? Why was that even my mentality? Mm -hmm. Um, That, no, that should be part of, like, being in the presence of God um, and allowing him to just work in me um, in – in those things, small decisions, big decisions, difficulties and joys. Be with our Lord. No, and I think that – leads to I think a really important just practical question is like how do we open ourselves to the grace and the gifts that our Lord wants to give us in the Eucharist because it can it can be one thing to say like you know you need to go to mass and you need to be open and receptive but that can be challenging and it can be uh, difficult especially when you have little people and I know for me after (laughs) communion I'm like grabbing somebody from over here grabbing somebody from over here someone wants to go pee like it's (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's going to be hard to enter into the Eucharistic presence um, during, uh, yeah, just the the practical uh, or just the daily distractions, right, that just pop up because of family life or whatever. Or even as a single person, I remember post-communion, it was still an issue, like being distracted by people, <laughs> like just being just people watching after <laughs> communion and not necessarily sitting with the fact that I just received Um, the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. So that posture of receptivity, um, like how can we 
open ourselves more practically like to to the grace that God wants to give us to the gifts of the Eucharistic self. Yeah. One of the things um, that I just wanted to touch on real briefly is that when we talk about um, mass mm-hmm. or the liturgy is that it is the liturgy is the church's public worship. Mm. And we come together from all different stages in life as a community, as a family for the intention to worship, which means that there's going to be messiness in the church, right? There's going to be loudness. And so, but just realizing that um, as a mom, sometimes I can get like, oh, are my kids being too loud? Um, I love my uh, my middle son, but he does have some special needs and he's quite vocal during mass and not my community. They know him now, um, which is really great. But if we ever go somewhere, I find myself sometimes like, oh, what are people going to think? They don't really know my son. You know what I mean? Um, and I, I either get self-conscious or I get mama bearish. Like mm-hmm. if anybody says anything right. about my son, I'm going to have to <laughs> say something. And then I started thinking like, that should not even cross my mind. This, this is, we're coming together as a community so I would even say the first thing, like the only person that our attention should be fixed on is Jesus. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something that I have to, that I still struggle with is yeah. like, oh, what is this person going to think? What is this person going to, mm-hmm. are they going to say something? Um, am I not keeping my kid quiet enough? And sometimes for five minutes, I'm like, do I need to take my kid out? Or maybe they're going to stop crying. No, I'm staying. Right. I know. Maybe I should take them out. Am I getting looks from people? Right. Uh, and just focus, like focus on the gaze of Christ. Mm, that's really beautiful. The gaze of our Lord. Yeah. 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 I just um, and let Him speak. You're in His presence. Um, so to open yourself up more fully to that. Um, and then I would just say I have tried lots of things in the course of my time um, to try to stay focused. I have found that bringing my Bible. And just like if I find myself distracted and like, oh, well, you're on Wisdom Chapter 13, Mickey. Come on, just look at the <laughs> words and keep reading. Um, you know, but it's also a time of Thanksgiving. So I'm like, if you don't really know what to do, um, just thank God. Go through a litany of things that you're thankful mm. for. Like after communion, just clo- closing my eyes is actually the most helpful yeah, thing. Yeah, same. <laughs> um, and just picturing those things that I, like, I'm thankful for my husband. Picture of him in my mind. Thankful for my children. Picture of them in my mind. Um, and just go through that, yeah. that litany. Yeah. yeah. That's one thing that I found myself doing with our kids is going through a litany of like, okay, what are we thankful for? Mm-hmm. Now is the time where we just need to we need to pray for people and we need to offer um, prayers of gratitude to our Lord. And it keeps them still for a moment or just long <laughs> enough. Um, but yeah, just like having that moment of just receiving whatever it is that, that our Lord wants to give us. And I love that, that image, um, or what you just said, Mickey, about, um, just receiving the gaze of our Lord. Mm-hmm. And I think that posture of receptivity, like that's something, and I'm sure we could like unpack that in future episodes too, like the femininity of the church and, and all of that. But like receiving our Lord that we don't, we don't even have to spout off, um, like just a list of things for Jesus after communion, but we can just sit Sit. in his presence. And that is enough, even with wiggly people all around us or, or loud children, whatever. Um, and there's some very beautiful prayers. And I think the, the prayer we're going to close with is one of them, the Anima Christi, like Mm -hmm. prayers like that can really be helpful in like centering us into like what just happened, what did we just receive? Who did we just receive? Um, so 
I'm I'm really excited just to continue the the conversation on the Eucharist over the next few weeks. I know right now we're we're in the Lenten season, which is a good time to like quiet ourselves mm-hmm. to make that deeper commitment um, to uh, receiving the gifts of the sacraments. Um, and I think it sounds like in in future episodes, what we're hoping to do is really get to even more practicals. Practical, like yeah. we're, Mass is not just something that we go to on Sunday, but like, how does that incorporate into our lives as Catholic families, as Catholic individuals? And, and what would that look like? Yeah, absolutely. Cause I'm, I'm a person I'm like, okay, great. Tell me what to do. <laughs> I need some practical <laughs> advice. Yes. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll get to that in future episodes. Yeah. And um, I know we're kind of running a little bit low on time, but there, could I, could I read this reflection? Absolutely. That I, found? I actually don't know Absolutely. where I found it. I wish I could quote it or, or give credit to whoever wrote it, but I just thought it was really powerful. And I just want to sort of speak this to um, any mother or person out there who is nurturing or caring for someone else. Mm. And I just thought this was beautiful and the way that it connects that aspect with the Eucharist and with Mary. Um, So this says, as mothers, so much of our time and energy is spent nurturing and caring for our children that we must remember to allow ourselves to be nurtured by Christ. Living in the Holy Family, Mary understood what it meant to give each day over to Christ. As she provided bread to nourish Christ daily, Christ was preparing the bread of life for her. This interchange of self-gift between Mary and her son is a defining aspect of their relationship. Mary gave her whole self over to God's divine plan and her fiat, her yes, which seemed to proclaim Christ within her womb that this body will be given up for you. And Christ responds as he offers his own body for his mother and the rest of mankind. Accordingly, each moment of maternal self-offering can reflect Mary's perfect fiat. Uh, It is in the Eucharistic, it is in the Eucharist that mothers are drawn under the wing of Christ to receive the tender love that they give. May each woman's yes to new life echo Mary's fiat and make them radically receptive to Christ's presence in their life so that she may encounter him more deeply through her motherhood. I love that. Oh, I thought that was, anyways, I thought that that was powerful for me. So I just wanted to share, um, felt like it just tied all of the things that we had been speaking about together (laughs) more eloquently than I could put in my (laughs) own words. (laughs) No, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. So we encourage you to, like you said, um, to listen to the St. Philip Institute podcast. Um, We will kind of be bouncing back and forth Mm -hmm. uh, between the two uh, just to continue that, that catechesis, but the, the lived um, experience of the faith um, on on this podcast. Um, but yeah, we'll continue to keep you all in our prayers and um, yeah, just stay tuned, especially if you're in the Diocese of Tyler. We have a Eucharistic Congress coming yes, in so a few excited. months. Um, you'll see more information about that uh, soon. Uh, but yeah, let's end with prayer. Sounds great. And we're going to end with the Anima Christi prayer. Sounds good. In the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Soul of Christ, sanctify me. Body of Christ, save me. Blood of Christ, inebriate me. Water from the side of Christ, wash me. Passion of Christ, strengthen me. O good Jesus, hear me. Within thy wounds, hide me. Separated from thee, let me never be. From the malignant enemy, defend me. At the hour of death, call me. 
and close to thee bid me, that with thy saints I may be praising thee forever and ever. Amen. Amen. And there the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.